Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of Cosmos Crusaders. Um, our guest this week is Junelli Gonzalez-Quiles. She is a third year PhD student in the Earth and Planetary Sciences Department at Johns Hopkins. And we had a really great conversation with her. But before we get into our thoughts on that conversation and the interview itself, Sammy's gonna talk a little bit about her first two weeks in law school, which is very exciting. Yes, thank you. It has been very exciting, but not as exciting as our interview with Janelli. So bear with me while I talk about this. Um, but yeah, law school has been fun. It's been exciting. It's been really different than anything that I've experienced before, but um, I knew going in that I really wanted to do this and I knew sort of what to expect. And of course, it's lived up to those expectations of just like being a lot of reading and time and hard work and dedication. But um, yeah, I knew what I wanted. I would advise anyone that's deciding on whether to go to law school. I know this is completely unrelated target audience, but if by the off chance you want to go to law school, like just make sure that you're sure because it's going to be a lot of dedication and time and money. So you want to make sure that the investment is certain in what you want. So just something to consider. But our interview with Janelli sort of gave both Gok and I some good advice about how to tackle grad school while still prioritizing ourselves and our needs and our wants and like enjoying life while still like studying and doing well in school so I don't know if Gok had like any specific takeaways or things that Janelli described that work for him so do you want to talk more about that yeah sure um but yeah I guess a lot of things that she talked about was how to prioritize your mental health um, during graduate school and just like things that you could do, steps to take to make sure that you have a strong mental during the whole process because graduate school is a long period of time in your life. I mean, well, I guess not a long period of time in your life, but a long period of time you're gonna sort of study within like the next chapter of your life. And um, it's also important to make sure that your mental is good during that time. So she gives a lot of really good tips on how to practice self-care and how to just prioritize yourself um, even with all the demands and rigors of graduate school. So I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I had from the interview that I want to thank Janelli for being so candid about, because um, I think that'll actually help a lot of people. Um, he, just hearing that from another graduate student who's been wildly successful in their career already um, and making sure that it's known that it's okay and it's good and you should prioritize yourself and your mental health even during graduate school. Um, but yeah, that was the biggest thing that I took away from Junelli's interview and yeah, she talks about a lot of other things and I think that the conversation was really great. Um, so yeah, it was really exciting and we're all very proud of you, Simi, for starting law school and going through your first two weeks already. So you've been doing an amazing job. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so now we will get into our interview with Junelli. So thanks for watching. We are excited to have uh, Junelli Gonzalez-Quiles as our seventh guest on Cosmos Crusaders. Um, so Junelli is a PhD student at Johns Hopkins University in the Earth and Planetary Sciences Department. She got her bachelor's in astronomy with a minor in planetary science from the University of Maryland College Park. 
She did a post-bac year at NASA Goddard, and she's also a member of uh, the Women of Color Project, the League of Underrepresented Minoritized, Mi Minoritized Astronomers and Geolatinas. So welcome, Janelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we're so excited. We're just going to go ahead and start off by talking about your current research. So we know that you like broadly study the modeling of geographical, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, geological, this keeps happening to me, geological processes in exoplanets. But if you could just explain that in more detail. Yes, yeah. So, um, so yeah, my uh, work is very interdisciplinary and I'm really lucky that um, as, um, as a student at Hopkins, I have um, a lot of nearby places um, that I can do collaborations with. And so actually I'm part of this um, big interdisciplinary collaboration um, called the Consortium on Habitability and Atmospheres of M Dwarf Planets, or for short, CHAMPS. Um, and so this um, group uh, is trying to understand and characterize planets around M dwarfs and specifically look at um, you know, the environment and see what the possibility and how um, life could uh, happen in those planets. So I um, work on a very specific part of answering that big question of looking at planets um, around other stars, specifically around M dwarfs, which are uh, smaller stars than our sun. And my uh, specific project, I work with Professor Laura Schaefer um, from Stanford University, and our work consists of modeling the interior of these planets. And more specifically, I'm focused on the TRAPPIST-1 system, um, which is uh, uh, an M-dwarf star that has seven planets around it. And what is great about these planets is that they're all uh, pretty small. Um, they're comparable to Earth size. Um, and so they, there's actually a couple in what um, astronomers call the habitable zone. And so what I do is that I look at these planets and I take geological processes that happen on Earth. So basically trying to model plate tectonics, uh, modeling geochemical cycles like the uh, carbonate silicate cycle, um, which is basically how uh, carbon um, goes from the interior to the atmosphere and then back to the interior again. Similarly, the deep water cycle, how water um, is also recycled um, in the interior of a planet. And so I take all of these processes and then I apply them to these planets and then I see what happens um, with these planets and what the atmospheric composition ends up being and how it evolves over time. Um, so that's what I mainly work on. Oh, that's, that's pretty interesting. And as you mentioned, it seems very interdisciplinary. Um, so it seems like you're sort of working at the cross-section of astronomy, planetary science, and geology. So in the exoplanets field as a whole, I guess, what are the different types of science that each of these different groups do? And like, what are some of the overlaps and differences? And how do you hope to bridge any of these gaps in these fields through your research specifically? And also like, which one of those three do you feel like you're like the most part of? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great question. So actually, um, I know we'll talk a little bit more about it later, but um, my preparation is in astronomy and now my um, uh, 
PhD, I'm doing it in planetary science. So I've actually had uh, an opportunity to get a little bit of preparation in both fields. Um, and so I would say that astronomers, um, astrophysicists uh, work more on detection and like, you know, observations, what, what we can observe with telescope, with instruments um, and trying to understand um, what what can what do we see and and try to explain it and so and then there's also um geologists uh in terms of earth that focus on the processes that happen on earth the materials um on earth and the different uh processes that go that happen here um and i would say planetary science is in the intersection of that um so planetary science uh focuses on um, also, uh, you know, at planet, other planets, but uh, also the solar system and other moons and other bodies, basically. And so I would say it's an intersection because um, so planetary scientists, uh, some planetary scientists I know also work on uh, lab work. They try to recreate what we see in other um, planets and other systems um, and try to recreate it in a lab and see if we can um, understand what is happening so that we can further explain our observations. Um, and so I would say that um, a gap that I've seen is that, for example, I went to a conference a while back um, when I was an undergrad, and I noticed that I went to many talks, and I noticed that there were a lot of uh, astronomers that um, I saw, I felt like we're kind of reinventing the wheel when I had seen other planetary scientists or other um, geologists already modeling or already studying these processes on Earth um, or on other planet, on other bodies in the solar system. And um, I thought, like, why can't we use those um, that research, those models, uh, th those things that we already understand and try to uh, put them forward to understand exoplanets more in depth. And so um, that's kind of like the, the something that I notice and that I'm really interested in pursuing uh, in my career is to be able to bridge all of that together and bring it all together so that we can have uh, a bigger understanding of a full picture of what we're seeing with exoplanets. And I didn't mention there's also other fields that are very important for understanding planets like chemistry, biology, you know, in, in the search for life um, in other uh, systems and, um, and all of these come together. And so I think that's what I'm really interested in is the interdisciplinary approach to study planets um, in, in, in general. And so um, to answer your last question about which which one I um, align more, um, I would say that I think I'm I definitely um, I I feel like I'm definitely an astronomer, but I feel like my since I'm so interdisciplinary, I would call myself more of a planetary scientist. Um, but yeah, so um, that's that's what I align more with. That's really awesome. I'm looking forward to see like how all these things come together and what that results in, I guess, but looks like you have the same goal. Um, but I was wondering more specifically about the planets that you've studied and that you've worked with, I guess. Are there any that really stand out to you as being just like really unbelievable and different and like composition and how we see them than the ones that we're used to in our solar system? Yeah, so that's a great question. 
Um, so now up to today, there's already more than 5,000 exoplanets that have been discovered. So there's so many planets that like, um, you know, that we found that are so different. And, um, and so there's actually a couple um, that are interesting. Um, I'm kind of biased because I'm working a lot with Trappist One, this Trappist One system, and um, you know they're all in similar size and mass to our Earth, um, and so that is very interesting in the prospect for searching, you know, for life um, and trying to understand, you know, the the environment and what it takes to have life in another planet, and so. But in general, like some planets that are um, pretty cool, um, I would say like, um, this is not, not a specific planet, but like um, rogue planets, I don't study them, but they exist. Um, so rogue planets are planets that don't orbit a, a star. They're basically in between, like, you know, just out there <laughs> um, in between stars, basically. And uh, that is really interesting. I think that's a really cool aspect of exoplanet science that I think um, new, newer telescopes are definitely going to help answer and try to understand more about these rogue planets. Um, but there's also another category of planets that are called super Earths. Um, and so these planets are bigger um, than our Earth, are still uh, rocky or terrestrial, as we call them. And so this is um, really interesting because we've actually found, astronomers have actually found that a lot of the planets that we find that are, um, that, that have been found around stars are actually, a lot of them are super Earths. Um, and and that's, that's really interesting to see because then it poses the question of, is our solar system unique? So is our solar system not a common system that we find around other stars? Um, and so I know a really um, cool planet is the 55 Cancri E. Um, it, it has really, uh, it has a really interesting um, theory behind it. So basically astronomers thought that it um, had a diamond interior. Um, I think recent studies have um, kind of led towards that, but the um, basically uh, it's still a really interesting planet that is out there and um, uh, astronomers are also looking into. Um, and there's also Kelt 9b. Um, that's a very, very hot planet. Um, that's, I believe that's the hottest exoplanet. Um, so that's really interesting just to see the wide range of planets that there is. Yeah, those all sound really interesting. Uh, yeah, there are definitely a lot of different types of planets out there. And I don't know too much about exoplanet science, but from the little that I do know, it seems like a very, very interesting field. Um, so now getting into a little bit of your background. Um, so we were wondering, when did you know that you wanted to study astrophysics? Um, so growing up in Puerto Rico, it must have been a really big decision to pursue a higher education in the States. So could you just describe your journey and how you sort of got here? Yeah, I, I would be happy to talk about my journey. Um, thank you for asking. So um, yeah, so actually I fell in love with space when I was like in fifth grade, actually. That's how far back it goes. Um, 
I actually had the opportunity to look through a telescope um, when I was in fifth grade, one of those uh, small telescopes. And but I was able to look at the moon and like Saturn and I was just in awe. I just loved it. And ever since that moment, I was like, I want to study space. Um, even though at the moment I didn't even know, like, you know, the field is called astronomy and anything and everything. Um, and so when I actually got into high school, I started looking into opportunities that for me to learn more about space and more about astronomy. And um, my senior year of high school, I actually had the, the wonderful opportunity to do research um, at the Recibo Observatory, um, which unfortunately, um, you know, uh, fell and is no longer functional. Um, but back then, it was such an amazing opportunity um, to um, participate in a program um, in the Arecibo Observatory, and that basically helped me confirm that I wanted to study astronomy. And so I started looking into schools to apply to pursue a bachelor's degree in astronomy. Um, and so back then, I actually discovered that no university in Puerto Rico offers specifically um, a bachelor's degree in astronomy. Um, the closest that you could get was a physics degree. And I think you could maybe do a concentration, but it wasn't like a full on astronomy program. And so um, I started looking um, at schools in the States just to see. Um, and it was really daunting because I came from a small school in Puerto Rico and it was it was it was actually a really difficult like process because um, not a lot of students um, in in small schools uh, know the process of even applying to undergraduate uh, schools in the states. And so it was it was a very hard process, but I looked for a lot of resources. Um, I was lucky that um, the people in the program that I was part of their observatory helped me out. And so I found a couple of schools um, and I applied and to my surprise, I, you know, I, I got in, I got accepted and I ended up attending University of Maryland College Park. And I chose University of Maryland because they have specifically a department of astronomy. Um, and that looked really attractive to me. I really wanted to have the full experience of learning all about astronomy. I didn't know that I was gonna be doing exoplanet research then. Um, so I was just really interested in everything. And yeah, and so I um, attended UMD or University of Maryland. And um, I, that's how I got into astronomy. Um, so yes, so that's that's been a little bit about my journey into um, like getting into astronomy, basically. That's such a like inspiring backstory. That's really awesome. Um, how did like when you came here, how did you know that you wanted to be a part of these organizations? I think there's multiple like you're in women plus of color project the league of underrepresented minoritized astronomers and geo latinas so did your background sort of like influence your aim in, in joining these organizations and how do you like what do you think these orgs aim to achieve in the end 
Yeah. So, um, so something I didn't talk about much um, is that when I went, when I started University of Maryland, you know, I, I, I moved from Puerto Rico and it was actually a really difficult time. I had, I had a lot of trouble with language barriers. Um, I had to, you know, I, in Puerto Rico, you learn English, um, you know, in school, but you don't really practice it conversationally. And, um, and so it was really difficult that first year to adjust to college life, to adjust to a new culture, to adjust to a new language. Um, and so, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was kind of difficult, um, but yes, yeah, so I, yeah, so it was, it was a, a pretty challenging time, but um, yeah, it was, um, it, it definitely made me see that people like me, people from Puerto Rico, Latinos, and other underrepresented groups don't, um, don't have the same experience as, let's say, our, um, our white peers in our classes. And so I didn't realize that at the beginning. I, I knew that I was struggling, but I didn't realize um, until later on in my undergrad. And, and so that made me realize that um, I wasn't alone um, and that other underrepresented uh, students were also going through similar experiences than me. And so this made me reach out to other students um, from similar backgrounds and um, connect with them. And that was very, very important for me in like being able to succeed and being able to graduate my undergraduate degree. And so, um, yes, I would say definitely um, having experienced what it is to be a Latina um, in the States, I definitely was very interested in joining organizations that were very uh, interested in helping us succeed. And so that's where I first learned about GeoLatinas. Um, it's an organization that, that aims to um, bring together Lat Latinas, Latinx uh, people um, and in the earth and planetary sciences fields. And um, there's many, uh, things that we do, um, there's seminars, there's accountability, writing accountability sessions, there's so many things that you, that um, the group uh, helps with. And then I came across the Women of Color Project actually by another student in my department who was involved, who is involved in it. And um, the Women of Color Project um, has been great because it has, it, the Women of Color Project specifically focuses on the graduate application process. So applying to PhD programs, applying to master's programs for women of color. And so I think that was um, very important. And I thought that it was um, really great for me to join because I know that also when I was applying to graduate schools, it was very, very challenging because my undergraduate experience had not been um, the same um, as other students. And it was not linear and it was non-traditional. Um, and so I thought that was very important to help other students um, in that process. And then finally, um, this year, I came across the um, LUMA uh, or the League for Underrepresented Minorit uh, under Minoritized Astronomers. 
And so, um, yeah, so I got really excited and I joined and it has actually like helped me so much because um, they also have accountability circles. They have like buddy systems. They have, um, yeah, they um, provide workshops and um, Luma uh, specifically focuses on helping, um, you know, grad students and above to um, to be able to succeed in their PhD programs and being able to get through grad school, but also connect with other women of color in the astronomy and related fields. So I think all of these organizations are really great and they all come together to provide, I feel like a full like support network for um, students um, in these fields. And I think it's been really important for me to join, uh, not, not only because I want to help other students, but it has also helped me. Um, and I think it's just, it's just a great, um, it, those three organizations have been amazing. Um, and I'm really excited to keep being part of it. Yeah, that's really amazing. It's great that you're able to find a community of people to support you and that you could support um, so that you guys could have really good careers in the field. So that's really great to hear. Um, so now talking about your time at UMD a little bit, um, how would you describe your overall, your overall experience there during your undergraduate years? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, um, like I mentioned before, it wasn't easy. I, um, I want to put it out there and for the longest time I kind of hit it, but I wasn't a straight A student. I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't have great grades. I struggled a lot. I, failed a couple of classes. Um, and I think that's okay. Um, I think that needs, I, I want to mention it so that other students that have similar experiences, like, know that it's going to be okay. At the moment, I thought, oh my God, like, I'm not going to make it. But um, I just want to put out there that like, um, I was able, like, I'm, I'm still in graduate school, I'm still pursuing my education. I'm still pursuing my career and I've been able to um, work through it. And I think that's very important to mention. And so, um, yeah, so my, my um, time at UMD, um, it was very busy. I was involved in a lot of organizations and I think also, um, you know, trying to adjust to the classes, but also trying to do extracurriculars. I, I didn't realize that I was taking on too much and I kind of burned myself out, um, I would say. And so, um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot from the professors. Like uh, I, I, I had some great classes in the astronomy department, um, but yeah, it was definitely challenging. And, you know, there, there's so many components to it um, that, you know, made some parts challenging, but I was really grateful that towards my junior senior year, I found a great um, uh, support network. I, I connected with other uh, women in my classes and we had our own groups and um, to study. And that was so important for us to like, you know, just um, put all of the expectations aside and just be human and like just try to learn together um, without judgment. And I think that was very important for me. Um, so yeah, so I would say my undergraduate degree was very challenging, um, but it was, I definitely did learn a lot um, about myself and about like astronomy. 
And so, yeah, um, I definitely want to say that also my degree wasn't linear. Like I didn't graduate in four years. I took uh, a semester off to focus on my mental health um, in between. And, and, I, and I graduated basically in four and a half years. So um, yeah, it definitely didn't um, have like the exact timeline, but um, I thought that was like very important to mention um, that it's okay <laughs> to not um, take the time that people say you should take. It's okay to take a little bit longer if you need it. Um, so yeah. That was really reassuring advice. Thank you. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, it will help them as well. Hopefully if you're watching this. Um, so like adding to all the stuff that you were already going through during undergrad, you also had six different research internships, which is a lot. So how did that go? Like, how did that work out? And was there a specific project or internship you were in that kind of like helped steer you towards exoplanets? Yeah. So um, yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, um, thank you for reminding me. So actually, yeah, during undergrad, I had the amazing oppor uh, opportunity that uh, to do several internships. And I remember when I started my freshman year, um, I was like, well, I'm taking classes, but I want to be able to like apply it to like a real project, you know, like be able to work with data and be able to take on a project. And so um, I actually started applying to internships my freshman year. Um, definitely not required. I definitely did it because I was interested and wanted to learn more. But um, yeah, so, but I applied and I remember applying my freshman year and being like, I may not get any because these are very competitive and, you know, I'm a freshman, I'm just starting, but I'm going to apply anyways and see what happens. And um, to my surprise, I actually um, got into um, an internship at NASA Goddard, um, and that was through the National Astronomy Consortium, or the NAC program, and so that was extremely helpful because they, you know, not only did I have um, my research project, but the program provided me with workshops on grad school, like um, work-life balance, like and anything really that um, I didn't know about coming from Puerto Rico. And that was very helpful. I remember learning that at that internship, like what a qualifying exam is. I had no idea what it was. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was, it was extremely beneficial that summer. Um, and it was my first exposure to research. And I remember that I wasn't, I, I realized I wasn't liking as much the research that I was doing then, but I still went a lot to the the colloquia, uh, colloquium talks that they had at Goddard. And I actually went to an exoplanet talk and I was like, oh my God, I understand it. I like it. I think this is super interesting. And, um, and I, but I didn't leave it there. I like brought it up to um, the program, um, uh, a person, the program administrator, and she was like, oh my god, we can connect you with people in exoplanets, and like, we can get you to do um, a, a, a research project specifically for exoplanets, and I was like, oh my god, that's great, so um, then I was connected with Dr. Johanna Teske at um, Carnegie Institution for Science, and 
that was my first experience with like exoplanet research in and I loved it too because it was also like my very first project was also very interdisciplinary um we were um yeah we were trying to basically recreate in a lab the interior com uh, interior conditions and try to understand and connect that to um abundances that we see um in other star uh planet hosts basically um and i thought that was really interesting and i really loved the interdisciplinary part of it um and i'm actually really grateful that my first exoplanet experience was already that inter interdisciplinary so i thought that was really really cool um and i loved it and yeah and from there i didn't look back i like kept applying to uh opportunities and exoplanets and um basically every project after that had to do with exoplanets in some sense um so yeah so it was so I would say like if you're a student, an undergrad or high school and you go to a talk and you find something interesting, don't keep it to yourself. Definitely tell people that um, your advisors or other people that you know and um, try to uh, have people connect you with other um, scientists that work on those fields and um, definitely network. Networking um, is great um, and has helped me a lot. And so I think I had um, I was I was really uh, fortunate to be able to do so many internships in my undergrad because I think that really did prepare me for grad school. That's a really like cool way that you found your interest in exoplanets. Um, yeah, definitely just talking to people um, and making connections is super important in this field for sure. So yeah, don't keep anything to yourself <laughs> when it comes to research and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so after UMD, you took a gap year and you stayed at NASA Goddard and you ended up working there for a year. So why did you decide to take this gap year and what was your year working at Goddard like? Yeah, so um, like I mentioned before, the, my undergrad degree, my undergraduate studies were very challenging and I definitely feel like I pushed myself a lot. Um, I tried to do a lot in um, five years, essentially. And so um, I definitely felt I definitely so I applied to grad schools, actually, my last semester at UMD um, during my undergrad. But after I applied and I started hearing back, I realized like, I don't think I'm ready for, you know, the rigorous, um, you know, process that is grad school. Um, and I realized that I was burned out and that I needed to take a break, um, basically from classes. It's more like, because I still was doing research, but definitely needed to take a break from like all the deadlines and all, you know, all of that. And I wanted to make sure that when I started grad school, I was in a, the right place mentally and that I was ready to give it all. Um, and so I decided to look for, I didn't even know they existed, but I, um, I started looking for positions um, or research positions um, that I could take. And I found out that there's a position called a postbac, um, a postbaccalaureate. Um, which is a position, a research position right after undergrad, and um, and they have a lot of those actually through uh, NASA Goddard, um, specifically through Crest. Um, it's a uh, contractor, 
Um, and so, yes, yeah, so definitely like it was great finding those. And so I applied and then I got in and um, I absolutely adore <laughs> NASA Goddard. Um, I had a great time. My advisors were great. My collaborators were great. Um, the other postbacks and the other interns were great. Like I made connections that I, I, they're going to last me for life. We're still friends even years after. Um, and so I'm just really grateful that I had that amazing opportunity to pursue a postback there because it really helped me, um, you know, take a step back, heal and like focus on my mental health while still gaining, you know, good uh, research experience. And then I was fully ready to take on grad school and pursue the PhD. So um, yes, I I absolutely love the, um, the NASA Goddard. They have um, the astrophysics and the planetary science divisions are great. Um, and I, I've actually had amazing experiences there. Um, and I'm so grateful that I had those. And um, Goddard also has organizations uh, like groups and in, in, uh, for Latinos. And that was great to also connect with other Latinos within the center. Um, and so, yes, so I, I had a wonderful time and I'm really grateful that I had the chance to do that. Um, and I definitely do want to, um, you know, tell other students that if you feel like you want to take a break from classes and all of the hard work that our deadlines and all of that, definitely consider doing a postback. They exist in different divisions, um, not only in like, you know, exoplanets or planetary science is what I'm doing, but they also have, in, have them in other um, uh, fields. And so um, they may be called something different, but definitely, definitely ask around and um, look around and those opportunities do exist. Yeah, that's really great advice as well. People always need breaks from school. <laughs> Um, and it's good that it worked out for you and you were still able to meet a lot of great people and do the research that you wanted. But now going back to the grad school admissions process, um, how was it for you? Like, why did you end up choosing Hopkins? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, the graduate applications process is so arduous and like so difficult, <laughs> but um, definitely like finding um you know like a network of people like a group of people that you can help like that you can basically get support from and also do it alongside like other peers that was like very important to me um and definitely yeah I you know I would write my applications with other students that were in the same boat and um, we would have like these writing parties and um, definitely finding people um, to support you in your process makes it a little little less daunting. Um, and yeah, I remember applying to grad schools. I definitely reached out to a lot of professors beforehand asking if they were taking students and what their research was like and getting to know them a little bit more. I think I was able to meet some when I uh, went to uh, AAS, the American Astronomical Society meeting um, and other um, conferences. And um, that definitely helped me get a better sense of what the advisors would be like. Um, 
And, and then when I um, had acceptances and, you know, I actually visited, that's when I, I got the full story of the department and the, um, you know, the environment of the department and all of that. And um, so something I didn't mention is that uh, in my undergrad um, studies, I actually, my very last um, research experience was with a professor Professor June Wicks um, at Johns Hopkins uh, in the same department that I'm in. And so um, that connected me to Hopkins. And so I already had some um, interactions with people in the department. I had a little bit of a sense of what the department was like. And um, and yeah, so when I you know fully visited Hopkins for, um, for grad school, I actually really liked the department. Like I absolutely love the people. The people are amazing. They're so supportive. The faculty, all of the faculty, all of the students, like it's just, they're such great people. I literally can't complain. They're amazing. And um, yeah, and I also really liked um, a couple of different things about Hopkins. So um, the Earth and Planetary Science Department, we don't have like required classes. We just take classes that you discuss with your advisor, you should take, um, which, you know, leaves a little bit of um, relief um, and a little bit of more flexibility. And I really like that about the department. Um, yeah, and I um, absolutely love um, the people in the department. And yeah, I found it to be a really great supportive environment. And so I chose Hopkins knowing also that I could also pursue interdisciplinary research. So um, yes, so that was very important to me um, to be able to uh, have the flexibility to pursue interdisciplinary research as well um, in and outside of Hopkins. So, yeah. That's great. That's really good to hear that you ended up at a place that you're enjoying and that everyone is really nice. I hope that everyone else can have the same experience. Um, but I have a question for you because I'm in my first two weeks of grad school right now. And I was wondering if you could give advice to me or people in the same boat as me as to how to sort of prioritize um, your own self-care and maintain a work-life balance when like at the end of the day, everyone just wants to do well in school. So like, how do you, how do you kind of handle both of them or how should I as I continue on with my grad school career yeah that's a that's a great question and I'm so glad that you asked that because I think it's very very important and I think I I personally feel like I just figured out a system that works for me like this year so like yeah I think it's it's such a, an important topic to cover I think um, when you're starting, I would say definitely talk to your advisor about expectations, about everything. Communication, how are you going to communicate? What is the proper way that you want to communicate? Um, you know, if you're not in person, like email, Slack, you know, what is a, what, what do you deem appropriate for yourself um, and for your advisor? Um, definitely um, set a healthy, you know, I would say like work boundaries, basically, like I don't work any time outside of like 5, 6 p.m. every day, every work day. And I definitely um, try to not work on the weekends. Um, and I think that's very important. Um, 
I would say the thing that has also helped me the most is finding a therapist. I think regardless, you should always have a therapist. <laughs> They're so amazing and they can help you so much. Um, so yeah, I think that's like very, very important. Um, and I know sometimes some institutions may not have it easy to find a therapist, but definitely reach out to uh, find resources and talk to other students in the department, how they found therapists. Um, so definitely, I think that would be very important. And I think just like finding other stuff outside of like the department and just science in general that you like to do. So like, for example, for me, I love, like I found my a love for knitting now, like I love to knit. Um, I love, I literally just found yoga like two months ago and I absolutely love it. Um, and like my uh, Hopkins offers like a lot of like classes, like gym classes, um, group fitness classes. And um, so that has been great to just like go to those as well to just take care of my physical being. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely would say, um, excuse me, like find things that you really love to do outside of um, academia and science and definitely like keep up with it. Um, Cause that'll, um, yeah, definitely help you, you know, uh, debrief from the day or, you know, take a step back. And that actually will help you mentally, you know, when you're coming back to your work, you come with like a more renewed mind and, um, and so you can properly like work on it. And so I think that has been, very important, like, you know, setting expectations with your advisor, I think are very, very important. Um, and yeah, I would say another thing is also, um, yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to speak up. You know, if something isn't working, um, talk with your advisor or, um, you know, talk with other grad students. Um, and I think that's very important. I think not, um, you know, if possible, not, uh, taking everything as it is, if, if there's something that you think should improve, I think definitely speaking up would be great. Yeah, that's all really, really good advice um, that I will also definitely keep in mind during my time in grad school. Um, so now sort of just leading on that question, um, when we're talking about like departments in specific, for example, Hopkins or like I'm at UMD or whatever institution, anyone who's um, at this listening to, um, so what steps do you think that graduate departments can take to show that they actually prioritize the mental health of their students? So specifically, do you think there are any like actionable items that you have in mind that you want like Hopkins, for example, to implement? Yeah, so I, yeah, that's a, that's a actually a great question. And I've actually been thinking about that myself a lot. Um, so it differs by university um, and in, you know, I, it's been a while since I've been at UMD, so I, I don't know if anything has changed. Um, but I know a lot of institutions in general, you know, they have like a counseling center, um, which are great resources, but usually um, they don't offer more than like a couple of sessions for free for students, or they don't offer like long-term, you know, solutions for the student, basically a long-term therapist um, for the student. And so I definitely think you know, as an institution, they, um, as, as institutions, they should definitely like divert more money into these programs because they're so, so important, um, you know, to be able to 
uh, have students have a good mental health and have a good experience in their programs. And so in specific grad programs, um, I would say like definitely uh, bringing up, uh, letting the students know the resources that exist and if they need long-term solutions, what kind of things other students in the department have done. Um, and I think providing those resources very early on um, are a really great thing. But yeah, especially like um, just having uh, students in the department um, uh, talk to any incoming students about um, all of these mental health resources, I think is very important. But I think um, this is kind of like, um kind of like a tangent but i would say also in terms of like grad programs um i think it and something that i would like hopkins to act on and we're the department is actually acting on it right now um is that we should all have an adequate and fair stipend to be able to live in i feel like a lot of um my like struggles and like a lot of other students you know like struggles have been you know in terms of like being able to live with the stipend that they are provided and so i feel like if grad programs can provide a fair stipend and a good stipend that students can live on um then i feel like a lot of things that happens to us like grad students worrying about like how am i going to be able to afford rent how can i be uh, how can i find a ho housing that i can you know afford i think this is something i don't think it's talked about but it, it does have a like an impact on your mental health you know worrying about all these things constantly like do i have enough money to even eat this week and i definitely think that you know all across institutions stipends um, should be increased. And that's something that actually our department and um, our department is um, asking Hopkins and we're working actively on um, getting a raise for, um, you know, the grad students in our department and other um, departments as well, I know are very active on this. So um, yeah, definitely, I think that's, that's also very, very important. Um, but yes, that's something that we're actively working on with Hopkins, and um, I really hope that other institutions also step up because, um, yeah, it's really difficult to be able to live on, on, on the low stipends that exist now. Yeah, that's really true. And you all work much harder than your pay reflects, so I hope that some changes can be implemented as well. Um, I'm going to move a little bit along and like try and talk about your future now. So okay. um, you're in your third year. Have you started thinking about your thesis and what the main questions are that you want to explore? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I think it all comes back to what I started talking about at the beginning, just a very interdisciplinary approach um, to studying exoplanets. And I think this first project that I've been working on is like a great um, starter for that um, because, you know, it brings together um, our knowledge of like geological processes on Earth and tries to like apply them to exoplanets and then see if we can connect those two observations. So definitely something that I'm thinking about um, for my thesis is to, yeah, to be able to focus on modeling these um, processes on exoplanets and then connecting them to um, observations of atmospheres of exoplanets. 
Um, so I think we need to connect what we um, model and what we understand uh, so far of like the interiors of planets, because a lot of that influences the atmospheres of these exoplanets. Um, so being able to connect both and being able to say like, okay, these processes may be leading to these features um, in um, atmosphere spectra, I think is very, very important. Um, and so that's what I'm broadly interested in pursuing um, in my thesis, so. Well, that sounds like really interesting work and good luck. Uh, yeah, so I'm very excited to see where that research takes you. So now going a little bit even further into the future, where do you sort of see yourself in 10 years? Do you think you want to stay in academia, become a research scientist, go to industry? It's also okay if you don't know at the moment, but just like, what are your thoughts on it right now? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it's something that I'm actively thinking about, but I think I'm considering right now between um, science communication um, and, and also um, like pursue a career as a research scientist. Um, I think um, those two are very appealing to me right now. I'm not sure if I would stay in academia as a professor, um, but it's something that I am consider considering. Um, so all to say, I'm not very sure yet, but um, yes, I, I have those, um, those two careers in mind. Good luck. That's really exciting. Um, for your organizations like Luma and the Women of Color Project and Gia Latinas, do you have any events or plans for the future that you're excited about? And how yeah. do you like you personally hope that you can help them expand? Yeah, so yeah, that's a great question. So um, so actually the Women of Color Project is hosting um a graduate school um, 101 workshop, excuse me, about applying to grad school in October 14th um, of this year. And applications are being accepted right now. Um, and so if you're an undergrad that is interested in pursuing a PhD or a master's degree um, in STEM fields, definitely apply. Um, it's a great organization and um, yeah, I am part of the social media team. So I'm really um, excited to expand this further and uh, create collaborations for with other organizations. Um, so yeah, definitely if you're an undergrad, a women of color undergrad, you want to apply to grad school, definitely apply to the Women of Color Project Workshop. Um, and then Luma is also, um, uh, hiring or, um, you know, they're accepting also applications for, for you to join. Um, so I know um, if you're very interested, um, you can definitely join the group um, that you just have to fill out an application and it's very simple. Um, and then you can join the team. And um, it's a, re a really great community um, just to be a part of. Um, and you just get a lot of support from other women of color and it's just really great. Um, so yes, yeah, so definitely um, look out for that. And, and once you join, there's many workshops and other things that you can do throughout the academic year um, pertaining to different things. And for Geo Latinas, yeah, there's um, so many things always going on um, with the group that, yeah, once you're part of it, like 
every day there's something new happening. There's always like the accountability um, writing meetings. And I know there's, um, there's a lot of other great initiatives that are taking place right now. So definitely look out for those and go to the uh, websites for all three of them. And they're also all on social media. So um, definitely reach out if you're interested. Um, but yes, I'm really excited to um, be part of the social media team for the Women of Color Project. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to keep being part of these organizations and in the future contribute in any way that I can. Definitely, all three organizations sound really amazing. So yeah, everyone listening to this, go check them out. They're doing really good stuff. Um, so yeah, so we're reaching the end of our interview and we always like to end with some quick hitters. Uh, so real quick, so what are your three favorite things about Maryland now that you've spent a good amount of time here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been here now for eight years. So yes, I've um, been here for quite a bit. But yes, three things that I like about Maryland um let's see so I love that it's very close to DC there's so much to see in Washington DC that I just love that we're so close to it um I love um Baltimore I absolutely love Baltimore such a great city um definitely is amazing like there, you get all of the city um stuff like you know the inner harbor and there's so many things to see there but you also get a lot of parks and places that you can go that are beautiful around here um, so I absolutely love Baltimore for that. And there's just so much happening all the time. Um, it's such a great city. And, um, and yeah, I absolutely love about Maryland. I guess this is more general, but well, more specific Maryland, but basically there's this Renaissance festival that happens every year. And if you didn't know, Maryland's official sport is jousting and jousting happens at the, at the Renaissance fair. So it's actually really fun to just go and see um, the festival and see the jousting taking place. So it's really fun. Um, so yeah, I would say those three things. That actually does sound really fun. This is not my question, but do you dress up at the Renaissance Fair when you go? Yes, you can. Yeah, people dress up. I definitely have dressed up. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so fun. It's really fun. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay, complete 180. What are your three favorite facts about exoplanets? Yeah, three fun facts. Let's see. So I love the, the fact that most of the stars that you see have at least one planet around it. I think that's like just, it's just mind boggling, I think to me. Um, I think another thing, um, another fact, another fun exoplanet fact, uh, it's the fact that rogue planets exist. I know I mentioned this before, but I think that's really interesting. I think that's really cool. Um, and then let's see. And then I would say like a third exoplanet fact. Yeah, is, the fact that our solar system seems to be, you know, it doesn't seem to be found as common in our galaxy as, you know, for example, super Earth or some other type of planet. Um, so, um, so yeah, I find really interesting that the planets in our solar system are so unique. Cool. Yeah. Those are all really interesting facts about exoplanets. Um, the next question we have is your three favorite Puerto Rican dishes. Yes. 
I'm so happy you guys asked. <laughs> um, so yeah, so three, excuse me, three uh, favorite Puerto Rican dishes. I would say um, I absolutely love like the common like fried chicken with like our seasoning and like rice and beans um, done with like all, our, all of our um, uh, seasonings. And um, another one is flan. I love flan. Uh, it's a great dessert. Um, <laughs> and um, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. I think. Um, oh man, I'm blanking out. Um, I think another uh, dish. Oh, another one that is very, um, very Puerto Rican is pasteles. Um, absolutely love them. They're usually, we usually have them for the holidays. Amazing. <laughs> so really delicious. So definitely if you ever in Puerto Rico, or if you have Puerto Rican friends that make these things, definitely try out, um, yeah, the flan, the um, pasteles, and um, yeah, the general chicken with uh, rice and beans. Um, yeah. Those all sound really good. In in the Philippines, we also have like flan, but I think it's probably different. So I want to try the Puerto Rican one. Yeah. Um, but this is the last quick hitter we have for you. It's um, what's your favorite act of self-care? Yeah, um, I think for me, let's see, act of self-care, I definitely feel like yoga and meditation is like a big, like a big act of self-care for myself like during grad school I I recently found yoga and it has been amazing like it's just a time to just you know um, focus on myself and debrief from the day and I absolutely love it yeah definitely uh, I also got into yoga recently so I think that it has been helpful for me as well um yeah, I think that's really good advice for a lot of grad students for something to get into maybe. Um, but yeah, so that is all we had. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we really enjoyed talking to you. And yeah, so thanks for, thanks for coming on. It was great. Thank you so much for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. I'm really grateful. Thank you. No, I'm grateful too. I learned a lot and it was really good advice overall. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you. Uh,